Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Brian Kelly, you took an extra minute off the Garden Hotline's time. Yeah, I'm sorry. <sighs> I had to thank our listeners <sighs> for helping Houston. That's true. Yes. Well worth it. Yes, they did a great job. Yep. Thanks to everyone who did donate, and uh, you can still continue to do that in various different locations, not necessarily here at CBS, but uh, throughout the entire Internet world. Well, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You can get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. Thanks for having me on your show, and uh, we can talk about plant selections, ups and downs, and all arounds for, about your annuals, about bulbs. You can buy those bulbs at the garden centers now, those spring flowering bulbs, but do not plant them. The ground is too warm. You can trigger some growth and then really mess them up. Your edibles, your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, and please remember my Answers, comments, or opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just an option for you to consider. Greg is producing today, so when you call, just give him your first name and where you're calling from, and then he'll put it on the computer screen, and we'll go from there. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, I'm going to be doing a walk and talk after the show today, uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, and there's my email address and phone numbers listed. So I'll come to your home and take a look at the things that you're concerned with and also keep my eyes and everything, all my senses open to things that may be impacting your outdoors. Uh, tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. The Green Center is in University City on Blackberry Avenue. So uh, City, actually 8025 Blackberry Avenue. So what they do is they offer a lot of outdoor interaction classes for younger kids. Right now they have classes for kids that are between 4 years old and 9 years old. And some of them are like New Moon Adventure. That's on September 20th. Pollinator Buffet on October 11th. Get your vitamin in, that's on October 18th. Leaf art on October 25th. And cooking with pumpkin on November 1st. So the Green Center, they just have all kinds of great stuff. It's, nat- you know, it's nature play. Programs reconnect kids to nature and offer them experiences to explore and discover and interact with the natural environment. And the grounds of this place is absolutely unbelievable. So it's just kind of give your kids a chance to get out there and have some fun. Also learn at the same time. Also, on October 24th, 
I'm going to be giving an evening presentation at the Green Center in University City. And my presentation title is, I Like Plants Better Than People. So don't don't bother coming yourself. Just send some of your plants, and I can talk to your plants. Anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to the phones in Troy, Missouri, for the first call, and that's Florence. Florence, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Mike, for taking my call. Sure. I have a question about coneflower. Um, my neighbor uh, asked me, when do you plant the seed? Do you plant them in the fall or do you plant them in the spring? Well, basically, since the coneflower is flowering, you know, it's already finished flowering and has all the seeds in the seed head, it's going to dr- drop those seeds in the fall. So those seeds are just going to lay there. They're not going to do anything. So uh, basically, it doesn't really matter. So you could do it at either time. So I'm just saying if you follow nature, then you'd put them on, you know, in the ground and prepared soil in the fall. But if you want to wait till springtime, you could do it at that time too. Just the disadvantage of springtime is the ground's cold, so the seed could sit there and wait. And also, you know, tell her or to remember that the first year you may only get a set of two sets of leaves. You're not going to get any flowers at all. Now, how deep would she plant them in the fall? I would say just basically at the surface. Maybe take a leaf rake or something, you know, scar the ground where she's going to plant them, and then put the seed down, and then maybe walk on them just to push them down a little bit. Because if they're seeding themselves, they don't go deep. They just stay right near the surface. The rain, the snow, everything else pushes them down to the right level. So if she planted them like today... They wouldn't start growing until next spring. Right. Okay. Unless, you know, if we have an extended fall and it is warm, they may germinate. But heavens, we don't want them to germinate because then they're going to be faced with some a cold spell and they're not going to have really a, a well-established root system. So, you know, that's the disadvantage of uh, sort of getting them down and because we don't know what our weather's going to do. So if something doesn't work out as a result of that, then consequently you might just put some seed down in the fall and the spring both. Well, that's what I told her. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't All right. know. All right, you can do the garden hotline then. Oh, no, no. I'll <laughs> glad to listen to you. <laughs> well, thanks, Florence. Thank yes. And I'm just, you know, with a lot of the stuff, I just follow nature. I figure, yeah, we can do it a different way, but why not, you know, the way that works, but it's not always going to work that well. I mean, like with the sweet alyssum and all the other things that I have growing that self-seed, the portulaca, the moss rose, all that stuff, you know, I just let them drop the seed, and wherever it comes up, it comes up. And now sometimes I have to move some stuff around, but the the self-seeding is one of the most rewarding things, you know, that I enjoy in the outdoors. Chris from Granite City, how are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Um, I have an azalea bush, a white azalea, that I bought at a garden. And um, I bought it, like, maybe in June, and I planted it. And this is the second year for it, and it didn't flower this year. But the leaves look very healthy, and I've treated it the same way that I treat my azalea in the front yard, and it's beautiful. Do you have any idea why it wouldn't have flowered or if maybe it'll flower next year and be okay? It may be a maturity factor as much as anything. But if the foliage looks good, then that's all you can really ask for. So you've done everything that you can. If the foliage was starting to discolor or things like that, it may be different. 
But uh, I say maturity as much as anything. You say, well, it was in bloom when I bought it. Well, these production garden centers and greenhouses and stuff, they kind of put steroids in the potting mixes to make them flower. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to continue to flower. They make them flower so you can see what to expect. But that doesn't necessarily mean the following year after you put it in, you're going to get the flowering. Okay. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing then, and uh, hopefully it'll flower next year. Yep. Thank you. Yep. And uh, let's head from Granite City south to Arnold into Ray's yard. Hi, Ray. Good morning. Hey, I got this month's issue of the Missouri Conservation Magazine, and it is full of all of the possible trees and shrubs that can be purchased in various, I guess they're, what, seedlings or that kind of a thing. Right. And and um, my question is, I think they come in the springtime. You order them now. How are they presented? Do they come as a bare root? Um, I assume because they're like in packages of 10. Right. So it's going to come as okay. a bare root and it's going to look like a, a package full of straws. So, okay, this is you just have to be very, very patient because to get to a mature size, it could oh, take yeah. multiple years. I know, but you know, the for 10 of them for eight bucks, I think that's you know, it's great. But here's my other question if you've ever done this out of 10, what's the survival rate? Like half of them will survive, or should all of them survive? Well, I've done it myself, you know, just out of curiosity, and I've given the plants away because I didn't really have a place to plant them once they started growing. But uh, I think, for the most part, I usually had any place between eight and ten that did well. Now, prepared soil and everything, good, you know, good spot to grow them. And what I did with mine is I planted them in pots in potting mix for starting plants, and I dug, you know, I dug a hole and just sunk the pots into the ground for a couple years until they got about two to three feet high. And then consequently, you know, that's when I started giving them away. Okay. Because that's my, when I heard you earlier talk about St. Louis compost and the raised bed um, compost, I thought, well, my God, am I going to have to go out by a yard of raised bed compost to mix in with the, <laughs> with the of course you do. <laughs> hey, one other question sure. with that, with St. Louis compost, you know, the raised bed, I think you have to buy a minimum of a yard, but I know they sell Missouri Department, or not Missouri, but the uh, Missouri Botanical Garden right. compost in bags. Right. Just as good? Uh, not quite the same formula, but yeah. What you're going to find is in the bag compost, you're going to end up with a lot, you know, let's say a lot more, it's not quite as smooth and calm and, and everything else. You're going to end up with okay. some different sizes of different things. Okay. And shrubs or trees, if I decide to buy both, start them out the same, right? That's what, y'all, you, know, you can start them in, you know, in the ground if you want to. But I just thought okay. since they're so young and I didn't know where I was going to do or what I was going to do, having right. in pots, that just made it very, very easy. Good. Well, I'm going to make the girl, squirrels go crazy because I'm thinking of a persimmon tree. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks, Ray. And now let's head north from Arnold to Florissant into Don's yard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I would like to know whether or not if it's okay to uh, shape my use, my shrub called use now because they could use to be trimmed or should I just continue to let them grow kind of? raggedy look and you know 
Uh, I want to shape them up and make them look nice and level. Yeah, do it fairly quickly. Uh, we had a call last hour about this. If you prune them, and what happens, that takes a growth tip off so you can get the shape that you want. But yeah. consequently, sometimes by cutting off that tip, it's kind of been a little bit more acclimated to the, the, our weather. And if we get a harsh, cold snap for an extended period of time in the wintertime, you could have some winter kill on those branches that you've pruned and then you got to prune them again. So that's why I always personally like to wait until we come out of wintertime. So if there is any winter tip kill or any kind of damage, you can just prune everything at one time and get them into good shape. But you can prune them you know, now. Just don't prune them too late as we get into the fall season. Yo, sometime this week would be okay, would you say? Oh, sure. should be fine. All right, then. That's my last question. All right, Thank you great. So much. Yeah, good luck with that. And again, maybe I'm just being paranoid when I say we don't know if there's going to be winter kill because we're all, at least I am, hoping for global warming. So every winter is like the past winter we had where it really wasn't all that bad at all. But uh, you never know. Things are just so nutty. Let's go now to, well, maybe we should take a break. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions or concerns about your yard, your landscape, or anything else, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Just to go back a little bit, the Great Forest Park Balloon Race, normally it's been in the athletic fields where everything is fairly flat, and now this year it's going to be on Art Hill. I'm going to be real... I'm going to be real interested in knowing how they can get these balloons set up on that slope on Art Hill. That just seems totally, you know, real interesting or whatever. I just, you know, that's, you know, it's be worth to going just to see how they're going to get it all set up. So uh, how about in your yard when you take a look around? Are you seeing some really alien growth sightings like puffballs, mushrooms, toadstools? Well, please remember, you can spray all the fungicides you want on all these things to get rid of them, but you're not going to get rid of them. What they're doing is they're growing off dead plant material. It could be just old dead root systems from trees. Even if your trees are still healthy, that doesn't mean they won't have any dead roots. Or it could be growing off thatch. They can be growing off all kinds of things. And some of them are definitely look like they're alien droppings or something. Ooh, whoa. I saw one the other day that was black and you know, it was kind of turned upside down and very, very scary. But uh, so oh, you never know. And now let's go to Oakville and Madonna. How are you today? Fine. How are you doing? Very Mr. good. Miller? Um, I have a question and I have a thought. Okay. Your thoughts. Um, first off, the amaryllis, should I cut back the leaves on amaryllis and let them go dormant, getting ready for Christmas blooms? Well, you should probably, it all depends. You could cut it back now or you can wait. For, I've already cut mine back. So, but if you wait for another couple of weeks, you're going to probably get them to be blooming closer to Christmas time. And then during that two months before you start watering them again, some people put them in closets, do this, do that. But uh, basically just get them out of the windows. You know, you've cut the foliage off to about one to two inches and just leave them sit. You can put them in a closet if you want. I just have mine sitting in my office, you know, kind of in a dark chair area. Okay. The second part is with Hurricane Irma and everything, um, I know we've had over the centuries terrible hurricanes, but they say this is the worst. Your thoughts on what happens? No one ever discusses the the, uh, the terrain, the top. You know, what happens to these plants in certain areas 
that are completely underwater. I know they have the Everglades and that down there, but what about like parks, bush gardens, and I don't know if that's it, or, you know, Sarasota gardens and all these different gardens down there. What happens to the plants after they're sitting in soil that is totally drenched? I mean, what is what are your thoughts on the topography of this of uh, the plants coming back? Well, basically, drain? I've Trey, I've been myself to Miami. I I think it was the year after uh, Andrew hit, and I've also and Trace and I've been to North Carolina one year after a uh, you know tornado or you know hurricane hit. And what it ends up is a lot of the plant debris cannot, and if it's too close to the coast, it, the surge comes in, and that's all salt water. So that can be very damaging to the plant material. And if it's just rain and it's flooding from that standpoint, you'll, what you'll do is you'll end up seeing huge piles of organic debris from the plant material that did not survive, whether it was the salt water from the sea or the rainwater just drowning the root systems. Now, obviously, you know they have sandy soil. They're not like our clay soils and everything else. But there's going to be a huge amount of damage to all kinds of different plant material. And it's going to affect the wildlife. I mean, humans are the most concerned. Sure. But the wildlife and, and the terrain and the topography, everything, I'm, I was just, no one on the news, no one ever actually talks about it. Maybe PBS will do a special, but... Um, no one talks about the plant life, the wildlife. I agree. And when we were in North Carolina, they fenced off certain areas because they were afraid there was going to be a lot of dangerous snakes in these areas. So, yes, I mean, there's all kinds are, of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, alligators in Florida, they'll probably be <laughs> yeah, in the woods. Your front yard will have alligators in it. Exactly. You're worried about deer? Who cares about deer? How about an alligator? A deer might exactly. eat your hosta, but an alligator is going to eat you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to know what your thoughts on, you know, being a horticulturist and biologist, I wanted to know what your thoughts were. Yeah, it's, it's major damage, and it's a lot of, you know, replanting and re-preparing the soil and everything else to get it so, I mean, they can grow some of these exotic plants that they do grow. Mm. All right. Well, thank you so much. Certainly. And now let's go to Gwen in St. Peter's. Hi, Gwen. Good morning, Mike. Hi. How are you? Good. Okay, I have a few questions. I have some uh, hibiscus that I have around the pool that I'm going to be bringing in for the winter. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of them have the mites on them. I have heard before that I could put the plants in the garage before I brought them into the house uh, and, like, use an insect smoke bomb type of thing for it because they do have the white mats on them. Have you ever heard of that I have Maybe. not heard of that. I'd be worried about that, to be honest with you. So okay. I would just okay. you know spray directly onto the plant material. Okay. And do a okay. soil drench if the gnats, if they're fungus gnats or whatever they happen to be. You know, to put a smoke bomb in your garage, I the smoke is going to go straight to the ceiling. So I don't know how that's going to impact your plants. Okay. Okay. Um, very good. And then another question on hibiscus. I am looking to plant some hardy hibiscus and snowballs. When is the best time to plant them? If you can find them at the garden center, this is the ideal time. The ground is warm. Good root growth will be, you know, be started. And then they get to go to sleep for the winter. That's the ideal oh. thing is planting in the fall. Planting in the spring, the ground is cold, so the root systems just sit there, and then they're facing the first season after getting somewhat established. is summer, and that's the most stressful time of year for plant material. Okay, so do you think it's possible to find them anywhere? Uh, just Yeah. I mean, there might be, you know, there's 
year-round garden centers would have a tendency to have more so than the big box places. Okay, okay. And then my next question is, I've had some knockout roses um, kind of on a hillside, and um, the last couple of years, uh, they lose their leaves. I get, I get pretty many roses, but um, no leaves, uh, and they're about eight years old. Do you think they're just ready to be done? Are you fertilizing? Yes. And they're in full yes. sun? Yes. Oh, and yeah. are the leaves, when they fall off, do they have spots on them or anything? Yes, they do. So you might have fun. You know, you might have black spot. There's all kinds of diseases that impact the roses. And in theory, the knockout shrub type roses are supposed to have less of that. But my guess is it's probably related to that. So maybe in the future, start using a systemic type uh, fertilizer, fungicide, insecticide. So in other words, you mix it up in water and just pour it at the base of the plants. Okay. Okay. And then um, <clears throat> my last question is: I have. Um, a small hill on the side of our pool that I have, um, I mean, it's a pretty big area. I kind of call it a big berm, but uh, it is on a hill, and I am having trouble growing anything there besides marigolds, and anyone can grow marigolds. So. <laughs> well, what, do you just hate marigolds or something? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't hate them. I'm just trying to get some other color going on. Well, I mean, t- uh, just take a look at, I mean, marigolds are in the sunflower family, so you got all kinds of different types of sunflowers, zinnias and things like that, dahlias, if you want to stick with just that. Take a look at maybe using some things that are tropical plants, considered house plants, getting smaller ones and just growing them like the, you know, the croton or the codium. Try some of the varieties of begonias that can take full sun. I mean, there's maybe you're just kind of stuck in a rut. Um, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, even when it rains, I mean, you know, you've got a hill here, so it's it. Unless we get a nice slow rain, it doesn't really soak into the soil. It just kind of runs down the hill, and right. a lot of those plants don't really get good watering. I think is my main problem. Yeah, so the, that water. means a lot of these things are going to take additional watering. That's you know, you may not want to do. So stick with the sunflower family. There's all kinds of different sunflower groups or members. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you for calling. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 minutes to go, so if you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. At 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. And 3 o'clock, The Business of Family Business with Ryan Recker. Back to the phones. South City, that's where Liz lives. Hi, Liz. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I really look forward to Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question, a couple, if I could. Is it true that the ashes, like from your uh, uh, fireplace, or like if you burn, you, you know, you have a thing you burn in your yard when you have a fire? And stuff. Right, fire pit. Are, yeah. Are they good for your um, soil? The ashes. In essence, it really isn't all that good until, unless you get a soil test done and says you're low on potash, potash, and phosphorus and things like that, then it may be good. You may be actually creating more of a problem by putting it out than what you're doing good for the plant material because 
Phosphorus and potassium are those two last numbers on a bag of fertilizer that has three numbers. And most soil tests, you know, recently, not most, but a lot of them have indicated they have high levels of phosphorus and potassium. That dehydrates root systems. That causes problems for the plant material where you think you're helping them. So, you know, putting the ashes out from your fireplace or anything else is not necessarily going to be good unless your soil needs that particular nutrient. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. And then the other question is, um, I have canna lilies. That's what I call them. I don't know if there's a different name for them. Um, but um, you're supposed to take the bulbs out in the fall. Now, what kind of lilies are these? I always called them canna lilies. They're oh, big can- green stalks. Yeah, with- cannas. Uh, Cannas. Some, Cannas. It, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. It's you um, know, That's okay. Uh, basically... There's been plenty of people that are leaving their cannas in the ground for the wintertime because they're in somewhat of a protected spot up close to the house, and they come back year after year after year. I happen to dig mine up because I don't know exactly what I want to do with them the following year. But if you don't mind where they are, they're in the ground, and you want to put just like you know four or five inches of mulch over the top of them and take a chance, you could certainly do that. You could dig up half of them and see, you know, but every winter is going to be a little bit different. But I've seen multiple places that have started leaving the cannas in the ground. Okay. I was wondering because I take them out every year, and then right. I thought last year my daughter left them in, and they came back. Right. So I was just. I didn't know if I should cover them with newspaper and soil and stuff like that. That's too much work. Just use mulch. (laughs) That way they come up and grow right through the mulch. Okay. Okay, great. I I appreciate your help. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go to New Baden, Illinois, and that's in Fred's yard. Hi, Fred. Hi, how are you? Good. I I just got a quick question about milkweed. The milkweed that we have in our garden, the leaves in that are starting to turn brown, and the seed pods on there because we'd like to get them in other gardens. Is it all right to take those seed pods off, and should we spread them now or wait until spring? I would say make sure the seeds are dry before you take them off. Leave them on there all the way up you know, for another you know, for extended period of time, maybe until mid to late October. Then you could just take them off and shake them onto a white piece of paper to make sure there's actually some viable seed there. They may have already fallen off. Or if you if you have multiple plants right now, go and cut one of the seed pods, you know, the clusters off, shake it on white paper and see if there's seed, you know, actually been, is ready to be moved or replanted or whatever. And then you can plant them in the spring or fall. Okay. Do, do I spread them or do I actually plant them? Uh, I would just... Just like nature does, it drops on the ground. I would just lay them on the surface, maybe rake the area that you're going to actually have them growing a little bit with like a garden rake and just drop them and then just kind of step on them lightly to push them down okay. to make sure they got good contact with the soil. All right. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. Mary Ann lives in Gravoy Bluffs. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi. Hi. I just got a question about hydrangeas. Okay. My hydrangeas did not bloom this year right why and so, I, they're big i mean the leaves are big they've always been, i don't understand why i did now cut them down in the spring just one third just a little bit but then we got all these brown stalks you know right them. so what did i do wrong you didn't do anything wrong there's been a lot of hydrangeas that didn't bloom this year and consequently some of them you know the pruning had something to do with it just what, leave them alone. Don't prune them until springtime when the new growth starts coming out, be it leaves, and then cut out any canes that don't have any leaves and just stop pruning. 
So don't cut the cane. No, not until next no. year that you're sure that that one is not going to produce any leaves. Okay, so don't. Okay, all right. So it's not what I did. Maybe. No, <laughs> you're I, a very nice person, I can tell. So your hydrangea <laughs> does not hate you. Oh, that's good. That's good. So I leave the canes alone, or do I trim them? Not no, just down. leave them alone. Don't touch them. I won't touch them at all. Right. Okay. Don't even touch them with your fingers, let alone a pruner. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate your help on it. Okay. Have a good day. Yep. You too. And Caseyville, Illinois, Letty's Yard. Hi, Letty. Hello. Um, I know you said not to prune knockout roses until we had a freeze, right. and I already pruned my back, them, and Wilgeria because they were all over the place, all over the sidewalk and everything. Is it too early, or will I hurt them? Well, or knockout roses should still have, you didn't cut them back enough so there's not any leaves or anything on them, did you? Oh, no, they got still got some leaves on them. And they should probably still produce one more flush of flowers, too, potentially. Oh, they were really huge. Yeah. I had to get, um, do I continue to water and feed them? Oh, I have no more food on roses, no more food on your wygelia either. No no food to that, anything like that. The only things you're really fertilizing this time of year is cool season vegetables and cool season lawns. Don't feed anything. Okay, could you please tell me when's the best time to go ahead and aerate and uh, replant grass seed? Uh, if we're talking bluegrass or fescues, this is the ideal time. Right now? Yes. Even though we don't get rain? Well, you're going to have to water it. Well, I can't. I got an acre. There's no way I oh. can water Well, then uh, just forget it. Let the weeds take over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. No, you could core aerate. You could put the seed out. But if you don't water it, then, you know, the seed could just lay there or it could germinate and be fine. And then we'll have an extended dry spell and... You know, all the seed that's germinated could be dead. So it's a, it's a tough thing. I know you got a big yard. So good luck, Letty. And now let's go to Lori. Lori, how are you today? Good, Mike. Thanks for taking my call this sure. morning. I have a question about grubs. Um, so we usually treat in the spring, but I read that maybe fall might be the better time to treat. So I was wondering, um, is there some recommendations on when and what I might use? Uh, just use Grub X or any kind of grub control. Yes, there's t they come up to the surface and potentially could do damage, you know, in both seasons, spring and fall. It's just like putting pre-emergence down for uh, lawn weeds and stuff like that, or just weeds in general. To doing it twice a year is going to be a more f effective control. Now, you only have to really worry about the grubs if you have a bluegrass lawn. If you have a fescue lawn, if you have zoys or anything else, the grubs, they could be there, but they're not doing damage. Okay. And so, All consequently, right. you can put it down now. Just follow the directions on the bag and then do it again, you know, next spring. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Have a great day. Yeah. The, uh, the grubs, basically what happened is they are new hatchings. They're going to stay up near the surface right now. When the weather starts getting cold, grubs go deeper into the ground. So, consequently, then the herbicide or the insecticide is not going to impact them. Carolyn is in uh, Troy, Illinois. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Um, I have a poinsettia left from Christmas, and it has grown a lot. Um, I, it's in a, you know, it's in a bright room. Mm -hmm. What do I do with it to get it to turn red in the winter? Basically, you know, maybe wait for another couple of weeks, but it needs to be in pretty much half the, half the day, half the night, whatever. It has to be in darkness, the other half in, you know, in full light. 
What you're doing is you're replicating. They're from Mexico, basically. So what you're doing is trying to create the same environment that historically they grew up in or their great, 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 great grandparents grew up in. So you want about 12 hours of light, you know, 12 hours of dark. Okay. And that's all you have to do. Oh, it'll just automatically happen, huh? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ideally, of course. Words are so cheap and easy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Sure. And now let's Wood River, Illinois. That's where Keith lives, and Keith will be our last call. Can you do it kind of quick? Yes. uh, A neighbor has a dogwood tree. It's like great size, 20 foot by 15. But there's another one on the other side of the yard is about a third of the size. Is really puny looking. Does does that small tree need to be cut down? Does it have anything to do with germination with that other tree? No, it has nothing to do with the other tree being there. It just has to do with maybe the health of the tree when it was put in, the exact location, maybe too much moisture, maybe other factors that are limiting the growth of the dogwood. But it has nothing to do with another dogwood being in close proximity. Okay, so you could cut it down and the, the nice tree would still grow Okay. Oh, absolutely. There would okay. be no the nice tree could care less about the other tree. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Keith. And for everybody, just remember, I'm going to continue to say this because it's been dry, dry, dry. So water, 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 and water everything: your lawn, your plants, everything. Dehydrated root system is not all that good. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.